is Bloomberg Surveillance. If wage growth continues to pick up, as I expect it will, the Fed's going to be increasingly uncomfortable having rates close to zero. If you look in this recovery, and especially since the Affordable Care Act passed, virtually all of the job growth has been in full-time jobs. We're creating a boatload of jobs. I mean, we're creating, on average, over 200,000 jobs per month. And that's a lot more than we need to absorb the growth in the working age population. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning, everyone. It is Jobs Day. Michael McKee and Tom Key. Mr. McKee is off, off, off. Barry Ritholtz has given us wonderful perspectives through the week. We're thrilled to have him with us. Jobs Day, Barry. Yes. Jobs, 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 jobs. That's what we're going to be Are you and I going to be April Fool free? They did a whole bow tie montage behind me on mm-hmm. television, which wouldn't have worked on radio. But. I actually set up your terminal so that all the data feeds coming into you is from 1974. That's right. So it's going to look was, a little different. Which was actually, we can talk to Villa Bowder about 1974. There's some uh, distinctions there uh, versus where we are. Now, anyways, we say good morning, Jobs Day. We've got a wonderful lineup, and we start strong uh, with uh, Willem Bowder. We'll get to Professor Bowder uh, in a moment. Bloomberg Surveillance this morning, this Jobs Day. Brought to you by Invesco. Don't settle for average in your portfolio to Invesco. The right approach means investing with high conviction. Find out more at Invesco.com slash high conviction. And I must say it was a thrill to spend an inordinately long uh, amount of time with Invesco's managers uh, this week, Kevin Hold and Megan uh, Walsh. I was just absolutely thrilled to meet Megan. She is truly one of the world's great dividend investors, and uh, it's good to meet the Invesco people uh, this week. Let's get right to it. Willem Bowder uh, with us. And, and to Barry's point, Professor, you and I remember the 74-75 slowdown, which was a goods collapse Yep. Is China in a goods collapse now? You say China's in dire straits. Are there manufacturing equivalencies between America, Europe, 74? Well, 74 was in part, of course, the response to the first oil price shock. Yeah. And the oil price shock's gone the other way this time. It's a huge counterfactual uh, so, this time uh, around. Uh, I think they're both uh, very uh, you know, painful episodes. Uh, but China, I think, is, has to go through a, uh, to trouble that is mainly of its, of its own making, right? That they have to change their growth model from something that is export driven and capex driven and very credit dependent and debt dependent to something more sustainable. And, um, they've, they're talking the talk at the moment, but, uh, they you know, even in, uh, simply shifting production out of the no longer viable a sort of heavy lifting uh, state and enterprise sectors uh, to uh, something that has a future, they're talking four or five years. And, uh, this four or five years? Longer. Oh, yes. The, 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 the process of uh, shutting down excess capacity uh, is, uh, even in the optimistic scenarios painted by the Premier, uh, is going to take years and years. And that means that uh, we will have a, a drag on uh, the economy accentuation of bad debt situations and continued need mm-hmm. for uh, consumption support if you're not to slow down further. Professor I, Bowder, you, you yeah. referenced the, the credit situation there. We were discussing yesterday uh, with um, the gentleman from Barclays that China is looking at potentially $30 trillion in debt of their own making, not to third parties, but uh, within the country, 
how does China work off this massive debt load they've created in a relatively short period of time? Um, yes, uh, a lot of it uh, has been uh, created since uh, the great financial crisis, 2008-9, when it threatened to spill over to China. Uh, but uh, the fact that uh, this debt is of their own making and mainly domestically held and also domestic currency denominated is in a way the good news. It would be a lot harder if this was a traditional emerging market story where most of the debt is owed to foreigners and dollar denominators. Okay, but I'll go with that. But that's in a Russian equivalency, and we've seen significant Russia depreciation is the prescription of Citigroup, uh, Stephen Englander and your team, that we must have Chinese devaluation. Not by itself. That uh, would do very little. Uh, what we uh, need in China is a combined fiscal, monetary and exchange rate stimulus, uh, which would indeed involve, I think, some you know, at least a 15% or so depreciation. In your study of economic history, the former giant of the London School of Economics and Political Economy, do they have within a totalitarian regime the ability to coordinate fiscal, monetary and foreign exchange policy and indeed theory? We will have to find out. Exactly. Uh, no one knows. Even um, John, Jonathan Spence doesn't know. Being uh, a totalitarian uh, is not uh, you know, a guarantee for being able to coordinate. Uh, I mean, uh, look at Zimbabwe. This so, is not uh, the Dutch yeah. of the 17th century, right? Well, they weren't terribly coordinated either, right? And they were, the, of course, the ultimate uh, confederacy. Yeah. Um, there were 700,000 of them, I think, or some, some tiny number. Yeah. So let, let's talk a little bit about um, the employment situation in the United States. And regardless of what this month's jobs data is, what are we, 14.3, 14.5 million private sector jobs created? Is this the 69th or, or 70th consecutive month of expansion? As much as people complain about uh, a possible profits recession or other things, the the actual economy seems to be doing fairly well. Jobs creation has been doing very well. I think it is a really spectacular run. Uh, the, what we're not seeing is you know, real GDP growth that would in the past have gone along with this pace of job creation. And, of course, uh, we have no significant restoration uh, in uh, the share of labor income in GDP mm -hmm. and uh, reduction in equality. So um, this is, you know, the, the cup is half empty. So and, uh, th that's a significant aspect. We're not seeing big wage gains. The other side of that, I think, is a little more nuanced, is where is the productivity gains? The argument that's being made in some quarters is, they're there. We're just not measuring them. We're just not seeing them. Talk to us about productivity. Uh, it, it's possible that, um, clear, especially in the service sector, where it's uh, very difficult uh, to uh, get proper sort of quality-adjusted uh, price indices, so-called hedonic price indices, that we are under-recording productivity growth. Uh, that's not just true for the you know, IT uh, stuff that people point to, artificial intelligence and all that, but it's true for services in general. But um, I, I doubt, actually, whether uh, that is the bulk of the explanation. In my view, the absence of productivity growth is that while the n innovations are there um, uh, and the potential productivity growth is there, you only see this in the actual data, 
um, if it gets embodied in capital equipment or people. And that's what we're not doing. Uh, right. And, okay, this is uh, important. Ned Phelps, the laureate from Columbia, gave a speech at BIS pushing eight years ago. I mm-hmm. consider it the greatest speech with Mervyn Kin Scotland speech, those two speeches of the crisis. Ned Phelps said, basically, I paraphrase the great laureate, we're waiting for a jump condition of technological progress. Do you see out there, within as Barry mentions correctly, the new productivity, the new innovation, the new technological progress? It is, a, is it enough to get us to a new and better productivity? Or is it ephemeral? Provided we are embodying the new technologies, the new uh, innovations. Okay, we all got cell phones. Even you have a cell phone, right? Yes. Uh, but... That compared to GDP is chicken feed, right? We have to get this stuff uh, in every aspect of, of, of economic life. And that requires investment and retraining mm-hmm. and continuing education. And where the country is falling short is on these three dimensions, right. human capital formation, infrastructure, and even private okay, capital. i got one minute left, yeah. never enough time with Willem Bowder. Do we need a new bout of non-austerity fiscal stimulus? Do we need David Blanchflower to take over developed nation economies and spend some money? I don't know about David Blanchflower, but we have to spend it intelligently. And that means that in the U.S. it would have to be spent mainly on infrastructure and education, uh, not just uh, the high school level, but uh, permanent permanent education. And uh, for the mm-hmm. rest of the world, in China, the stimulus has to be consumption-oriented. So it's very country-specific, uh, mm-hmm. but there is an answer, and it is... Okay. Uh, it includes inevitably fiscal stimulus almost everywhere. This has been so valuable this morning from significantly weighted dots. Barry, you should have seen Bowder on TV with significantly weighted significant dots. Weighted dots. Significant, excuse me. I just got a B minus there. Significant <laughs> weighted dots to your discussion of the dire straits of China. Willem Bowder of Citigroup, thank you so much. Uh, he has more than a little bit to do this jobs day. We're going to continue that discussion through the morning. Jim Glassman will join us from J.P. Morgan, and then Bill Gross will join us afterwards. Then, of course, much to talk to Mr. Gross about. The bond market and fixed income as well is the nation's labor uh, economics. Barry Ritholtz and Tom Keene, the futures at negative 8, Dow futures, negative 55, yields churning 10-year, 0.74%. Then Brent crude, 39.43, down 90 cents. John Micklethwaite with us in a moment. This hour of Bloomberg Surveillance, this Jobs Day, brought to you by Westchester Subaru. Visit westchestersubaru.com. With our New York News, here's Michael Barr. Tom Barry, thank you very much. The New York Senate has started debating part of the budget. That includes raising the state's minimum wage to $15 an hour. Last night, Governor Andrew Cuomo and top state lawmakers reached an agreement on a budget that will include a gradual minimum wage increase. California Governor Jerry Brown will sign a similar measure to raise the state's minimum wage on Monday. North Korea and the Islamic State will be on the minds of world leaders as they assemble today for the second and final day of the Nuclear Security Summit in Washington. For the first time ever, more people in the world are obese than underweight. According to new analysis published in The Lancet, the number of obese people has climbed from 105 million in 1975 to 640 million today. Global News, 24 hours a day. I'm Michael Barr. Tom, Barry? And Michael Barr, thank you so much. It is Jobs Day. In the next hour, we'll go beneath the headline data with Jim Glassman, with Bill Gross. We do that 
once a month. Barry Ritholtz, Tom Keene, Bloomberg Surveillance, next, oil. Savannah is brought to you by Untucket. Think your shirt is too long to wear untucked? It probably is. Untucket has solved this, making shirts designed to be worn untucked. Visit untucket.com. Use the code WBBR for 15% off to improve your wardrobe.